Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori. It is a Brother, Brother podcast. And Jaren and I went back to the movies last week. Uh, first time in a long time I've been to a movie theater, and I'm an avid moviegoer, as are you. But we both went and saw The Worst Person in the World, which is the best movie of the year. Uh, would you agree? Yes, I would. Um, it you know, I would normally kind of give a little bit of a curve on the fact that, uh, to your earlier point, um, movie theaters are, are a place that I've only been in, <laughs> this is my second time, I believe, since um, since the world kind of uh, got flipped around with, with COVID. But uh, I see that trend changing quickly as uh, mass mandates are being uh, removed. And um, and I in this movie in particular... Um, didn't need the curve because it was probably like one of the most inspiring movies I've seen in a long time. And, um, it's, that's a lot to say about a, you know, dark romantic comedy, right? Uh, uh yeah. You know, Danish dark romantic comedy. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, who knew that we could learn about love from Scandinavians, but, uh, it is, um, I loved it. It's, um, you know, uh, walk, uh, Joaquin, uh, Trier, uh, the third of his Oslo trilogy movies, and um, it's just—I don't know—it's just a delight. Um, but one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, once we talk about what the movie actually is is, is some of the soundtracking and the choices that were made. I think it's uh, some of the most inspired, um, you know, soundtracking that I've seen in a long time, and it's really at the forefront of the movie, and it's. Uh, um, you know, it's really in its soul, you know, I mean, I think it's such a huge part of it. Uh, Renata, uh, Rensvi, uh, if I, hopefully I'm not, you know, mangling that too badly is the uh, star. She stars, she stars as Julie and, um, it's kind of, uh, Julie finding her feet as a young woman in her twenties into her thirties. Um, her finding her way through some, uh, the beginning, uh, you know, a number of relationships and then really uh focusing on the you know the final two relationships um her relationship with Axel and her relationship with Elvin Axel being a professor um who is a you know 10 15 years her senior um and then Elvin who is a contemporary and a fellow lost soul so um yeah i mean i don't know walk walk us through what you thought yeah, well, the movie is told in, in 12 chapters, um, which sounds a pretty daunting, you know, for a movie. And, and this movie, I think, just creeps over the two-hour mark, correct? Yeah. Or around there. Um, and I would say it's the opposite. It's really, you know, you could use uh, 12 more. It's, it's, a, it's a joyful kind of romp uh, through her, like you said, kind of late 20s, early 30s. And when I say joyful i guess i mean like sort of relatable but also Mm -hmm. funny um you know sad and and just kind of i I think it does a great job just trying to think here of capturing that kind of weird bridge you are between um i don't want to say like adolescence and adulthood but it sort of is you know you're you're like you know you're kind of growing up and probably um having more responsibility or having friends or in this case a boyfriend who is older you know and and there's that sort of bridge period where you're you're not quite there but you're also uh creeping towards it and i think um i don't know this movie just does a really good job of 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 
capturing a lot of her life while yet leaving like a lot of things open. You have family dynamics, obviously relationship dynamics, and you know all through the eyes of a you know twenty eight to twenty nine year old woman. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm doing a great job explaining it. But I, I think. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I think it does a great job of of capturing that that period when you kind of think everybody else has it figured out and you don't and somehow that makes yeah. you unique but very concise really, way of saying what I was trying to say yeah that's yeah it's I mean. a very it's a you know you think it's unique to you you think everybody else got the handbook and that you were left out of uh, or you missed that day of school and the fact is nobody's got it figured out there are varying degrees of confidence there's varying degrees of of you know yeah. sort of permanence skill or talent yeah and and you know you you I mean, I do think it does a great job at the beginning of, you know, toggling between multiple romances and uh, multiple uh, uh, areas of study when she's in university. I mean, it just perfectly encapsulates the, uh, you know, all or nothingness that you feel at that age of like, well, if I study this, I can get a job doing that. And then my life is figured out. And the fact is, it's you know, shit changes. And this is, um, I don't know, it's just a really amazing um, portrayal of, of that uncertainty and you know it it kind of almost makes you you know think that um, you know there's a freedom in it there's a you know it, it feels punishing and it feels um, you know like uh, you're imprisoned by you know your was a uh, you know paralysis by analysis like you're, you're sort of you've got all these choices but you're really so limited um, in, in your choices, but it, um, you know, it's sort of, it's, you know, I feel like there's, uh, you know, what happens happens. I guess, I don't know. It's a really terrible way of explaining it as well. Go see the fucking movie. Yeah, go see it. I think it's the best movie of the year. Uh, best movie I've seen in probably two or three years. I'm just going to throw that out there. I, I can't, um, I can't say how impressed I was with the the length being 100% enjoyable. There was no missteps. And just to jump into the music, too, I think you and I are, are always going to be prone to movies that use good music and soundtrack well. Or and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, music we like. It could be, you know, interesting just sounds or, or atmospheric stuff, as in, like, you know, some of the stuff uh, John Greenwood's doing and things like that. But Greenwald is doing, sorry... But um, but the uh, the use of like pop music and jazz and, and stuff like that in this, I think, is, is really clever and not in your face. I mean, I think, you know, famously like Wes Anderson kind of blew us away or or Quentin Tarantino with the use of sort of obscure pop and. and yeah, the, the Randall kind of Poster School moments. of Music Supervision. Yeah, but it worked, you know, and, and then I think it sort of became overblown. And I think this is a movie that very much leads with music, but you don't even know you're being led, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I also, you know, it, it took me, you know, there's some, you know, sort of deep cuts from familiar artists, like uh, there's a couple of Nielsen songs in it, um, which are really well utilized. Um, there's a, uh, you know, there's a couple of um, artists that I was unfamiliar with uh, that I've gone on to listen to quite extensively since I saw it, including... Um, uh, Shimande, uh, which is a early British funk band from the seventies. And, um, 
another um, artist uh, named Chasson, who is a French pianist who I believe is, you know, um, done some work with Frank Ocean, among others, but I'd never, he'd never crossed my radar before. Uh, got a, you know, sort of uh, um, French uh, uh, sort of jazz uh, composer in his late 40s. Um, who I've listened to now uh, quite extensively. I, I really like his stuff. And then there's that, you know, absolute crazy needle drop at the very end of the movie of, of an Art Garfunkel solo song that I've never in my life heard and sounds nothing to me like Art Garfunkel. Uh, I was shocked. No, it, it could was. be a Foxygen outtake or something. <laughs> like <laughs> totally. It really sounded weird. modern to me. And yeah. um, I was, you know, I was dying to see who did it. You know, I, I actually thought it was somebody like that or Damien Arado or, or, you know, somebody, you know, just sort of one of those singer songwriters that I that I hear about, but I don't always explore fully. Uh, but nope. Good old Art Garfunkel. Yeah. Wild. Um, I'd also just highly recommend anyone who is either not following our, uh, our brilliant description of the movie or... Um, or is interested um, to check out the if you the Ringer big picture and I believe it was the um, maybe the first episode of the year or, or New Year there and it's the best movies of, of 2022 so far and, and um, where he talks to Joaquin um, Trier is it Joaquin 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 Trier yeah and I, I just found it very interesting I, I think he talks a lot about music and how. Um, you know, at times it'll be a song that they he just wants to put in the film and is going to find a way to put it in, and, and that Art Garfunkel song is actually brought up in that. And then um, other times where, you know, it's the scene, and then they kind of come to the scene post-editing and, and or while editing with a song. So it, it obviously is a big part of his life, and I think those obscure artists that you talked about. And I think, too, it's always fun to hear, um, you know, the book is obviously... Or the sorry, it kind of feels like a book a little bit, but the the movie set in, in Oslo, and I think you and I have both spent some time with various Europeans, and there's always like a, a an album or a sound or a period that like got kind of overlooked in America, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's influential that that like pops up and you sort of rediscover. I think through Europeans, which is fun. Well, it's like the it's like the class, you know. I mean, it's the whole, um, you know, it's the whole thing that the. Uh, um, searching for Sugarman uh, documentary right. on Earth, where you know, uh, you know, and I have talked to South Africans who were like, "Yeah, we thought it was the Beatles, the Stones, and and uh, um, what's his name? Uh, ah, it'll come to me. Um, Dylan or something? No, no, no. <laughs> the the guy in Searching for Sugarman." Um, oh right, right. The main guy. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you know they 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 were convinced that he was this massive rock star in, in America, and um, it you know it just isn't true. But they were they were like, well, that was I mean Rodriguez, we were, right? Rodriguez, then, uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> the guy from uh, Detroit, and um, it just was it was bizarre. It's bizarre to dispel people of that. I mean, I know people in you know like we always say that about our friends in Germany or. Our friends in Europe where they're like, oh, yeah, I love, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's always, you know, sort of like, you know, the Strokes and Interpol and, you know, then it would be like, you know, Ditch Croker. It's like, what? What do you, you, know, <laughs> what do you, you sort of, and they're all on the same plane as far as those guys are concerned. Um, no, definitely. And, it's um, Chasson, actually. Yeah, it, Sorry, rather than uh, Chasson, the, uh, the French pianist. 
Oh, gotcha. Yeah, no, and, and I think it's also a great soundtrack, and I very rarely listen to movie soundtracks. Um, I'm sure you're kind of in the same boat. There's a few gems that have, have come through our lifetime, uh, Train Spotting being one, I think, and, and then I'd say this one's up there already. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. a good soundtrack to put on and, and either play via shuffle or all the way through. Yeah, the uh, I Say Goodbye to Me is the uh, song that plays in the trailer, which is a Harry Nielsen song, which I'm not terribly familiar with because it's on you know, one of those Harry Nielsen albums that, you know, is so, um, you know, uh, so sort of hit and miss that you don't wind up throwing it on like Nielsen Schmielsen or, um, it, you know, there, he did so much fucking around um, with his records and, and was purposefully so um, erratic uh, almost that it, you know, some of these songs really escape you. Um, but that's a, it's a beautiful song. It's a great song. And, um there's also a really good Todd Rundgren song called Healing Part One. Um, yeah. That is featured that I, you know, I was not terribly familiar with as well. Anyway, um, that's a long-winded, uh, big wet kiss to uh, The Worst Person in the World. Also a great title. Yeah, by the way. best movie in the world currently and uh, The Worst Person in the World. Great title and definitely worth seeing. Yeah. But getting back to um, music without visuals... Um, We've been listening to a lot of Hooray for the Riff Raff this week and last since that album, uh, Life on Earth, came out. I'm loving this. It's uh, Alinda Segarra's um, band, Hooray for the Riff Raff, a New Orleans-based. She's a, a Bronx native, but a New Orleans-based musician. And um, I was surprised to find out this was her eighth go-round. Um, but, you know, she in interviews I've seen... She said it's you know my eighth record, but I'm considering it my first because it's it's a real jumping off point, and I, I think it is. I think it's a um, you know I, I really liked her last record or their last record, but I, I do think this is the great leap forward, and this is kind of um, you know in a year where and I'm still going to withhold judgment on the Mitski record because um, I'm sure it will still grow on me more, but in a year where I was really looking forward to you know the Casey Musgraves record and a bit disappointed and then really looking forward to the Mitski record and and you know my you know my expectations were unmeetable, um, but this is the record that's really kind of knocked me sideways and um, you know I think this is a, an early bid for record of the year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I love it. Um, Life on Earth um, just came out, and yeah, I mean, it's surprising. I I didn't realize she had so many records either. I think she's also had a lot of singles. Um, I do, you know, I did like The Navigator, which was the 2017 record. It had kind of a, I don't know, just kind of like a weird downtown feel to it, um, almost kind of like a, a Lou Reed-Bob Dylan hybrid in terms of like delivery and, and lyrical content and sort of tales of underground characters which I, I just think are, are always fascinating and w when it's done well um but this album i agree life on earth is, is a huge jump just in terms of like i think scale production even stuff that's like interesting like having um you know guest poetry and, and things like that over some of the songs it, it works you know it works really well and, and it's an album I've, I've kind of sent out to folks that um i know are music fans and, and don't necessarily seek as much as i do and to a T, everyone's like, oh, this is awesome, my record. Like, you know, it, it's definitely a, a put on um, track one and go all the way through. And I think she's kind of morphed a little bit. I mean, I know she had an album way back when I think probably first heard of her, or and then when I say her, I guess them or, or the band, um, Small Town Heroes. And then I, I listened to The Navigator quite a bit. But um, 
and she sort of gets lumped into that, you know, Sharon Van Etten, um, Waxahachie, you know. Angel Olsen, uh, yeah. Angel Olsen, yeah. And I think he's done some stuff with them. I think they did a cover of, like, Big Star Song 13 together. Um, But, you know, I I agree with you. I think this is Mitski level of, like, just taking a concept or a, um, you know, a sound to to kind of a different level. I think Sharon Van Etten did so as well on her last album where it was kind of like, yeah, like, they can definitely write songs and do sort of the indie version of singer-songwriter, but, um, you know... This there's there's more sonics on this too. I think you know. I mean, yeah, come, the rest of them kid are by Sharon Van Etten's a good uh, comp, and I think uh, right like Four American Dollars by U.S. Girls or you know Alexander by um, Laura Marling. You know those are kind of the comps, but uh, at the same time, you know it's it's rare when every song on an album is this good. Agree. Yeah, it's a it's a burner. It's a really. I mean, and I don't mean in terms of loudness, but it does have some rock, um, a lot of piano, a lot of big sonics, orchestration, and and uh, yeah, I think I think that's a good call. It is certainly uh, going to be in in the end of year list, and and definitely uh, right now should be um, top of the list, if not number one. Yeah, and then the other album that you know, I ironically we did a a whole podcast episode on Spoon recently. Um, but it was in anticipation of the new drop. Yeah, it was in in anticipation of the album. We had heard a couple singles, but the album dropped and, uh, they're really going for it. Um, you know, they are, uh, they were never publicity shy and they were never, um, you know, came off as unambitious, but you know, it's kind of funny to watch somebody closing in on 50, uh, really making their push for, um, mainstream stardom like Britt Daniels doing right now and Spoon is doing. Uh, they're touring as a five-piece. Um, we're going to see them next month. But, uh, you know, this is a really good big rock album. Every, you know, as we said in the podcast, every one of their albums is solid, consistent. It's almost, a, you know, a curse. But this is uh, another, um, I think, like, ga 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 You know, they're really punching for almost, you know, radio play and and uh you know mainstream uh success they're 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 sounding you know more and more like they like they've got you know killer levels uh or killers levels of uh ambition and arena ambition inside them yeah it's a big record um same producer has done a lot of the queens of stone age stuff um which you can hear and i think Sort of solidify my my prediction via hearing those early singles that I I just got a sort of and I, I keep referencing Arctic Monkeys just because I feel yes. like they made a similar kind of switch and not saying that the music necessarily is the same but um, just a level of production a level of sound that kind of took them to the next level we'll see if it does the same for Spoon who's already a, a fairly big band I'm excited we're going to be seeing them at the House of Blues so if they do get any bigger I. I uh, I'd be disappointed to have to go to, a, you know, the arena at BU or something. But, like, um, I I am excited to see him live. I think the album is another just really good album, start to finish. And like all Spoon albums, it's like you're just pleasantly impressed, again, um, that you can pop it on. It's, it's like a nice, familiar, you know, blanket that you love or something. And then 
I put it down usually and I'll probably go back to it and, 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 you know, pick out more and more tracks that I just kind of find irresistible. Yeah. So it's, it's um, funny. It's just the way I, I know it's good. I know it's safe. I don't need to like, you know, <laughs> yeah, at this point you have like week. a, you have like a schedule of interaction with a spoon album. It's like, you like the singles off the top, you know, as yours meant to. Um, and then they kind of fade into the background as, as it becomes a whole album for you. And, and, um, you know, I mean, I do think, right off the top wild which is one of the first singles is um you know is the best song on the record that will change yeah definitely will and uh, yeah you want to take a quick break we'll come back and talk about a couple documentaries we've been digging yeah let's do it podcast uh today it is jeremy and i and we are talking about a it's kind of a kitchen sink episode we started off talking about worst person in the world went on to hooray for the riffraff and spoon and uh now we're going back to the movies or not even to the movies we're going to the uh the home uh entertainment center um you and i have been watching a bunch of documentaries we're very partial to music documentaries uh the kanye west uh, documentary trilogy, three-part series, uh, which debuted at Sundance um, and to to great acclaim, has come out on Netflix, and I really like it. It, it reminds you of how good Kanye was, um, how you know what a creative, brilliant, creative guy he was, uh, is, and um, also, you know that things were a little rough. Uh, for him at the beginning professionally, although um, he was pretty successful out of the box as a producer, he wasn't um, he wasn't given much credence as a as a rapper and had to kind of punch his way into uh, main you know again to uh, acceptance at Rockefeller and uh, it does a good job of documenting that. It also gives you some insight into his family life, his parents, um, and his wonderful mother who. Uh, who, uh, for whom his last two albums have been named, but uh, what a cool character she was, and uh, it's, but that's worth the price of admission, frankly. 
Yeah, I think that storyline is, is great. And uh, I actually have not finished the third. I've watched the first two all the way through and, and then just didn't get a chance to finish the third, started it. Um, I agree. It's, it's been kind of cool. And, you know, living in I lived in Chicago when his first album dropped. And, um, you know, you forget, like, just how territorial the rap stuff was. And, and again, without a lot of access to things you know new york and, and la were really kind of it and you know it was very rare and weird to have you know atlanta kind of came on obviously with outcast and goody mob and all those guys but even they had to kind of fight their way in too you know mm-hmm. um it was very new york centric and um you know kanye to make it as a rapper had to, to move there and i found all that interesting and, and you know it's one of those things too i think uh producers have become much bigger celebrities and you know there's always been an extent of that to people who pay attention but um as much as Kanye you know really strived to do his own thing and his own rapping and, and like what a run I mean really all the way through Pablo I think are excellent and then you know people can argue about the rest but it's you know they're still interesting at the very least but um his production I just didn't even realize how much it hit that I knew and loved prior to his career who he was, you know? And, um, and I think being in Chicago when that first out, there was a huge pride around just having like a Chicago rap celebrity. I I think weirdly, like, you know, the sound opinions talked about the Jay Dilla being from Detroit. There is a weird, like there isn't a lot of hip hop in in those areas. Like it it is like house music and techno are really kind of Mm -hmm. black culture there. And it's, so it's, um, it it was just kind of cool to to see and, and watch. And then, um, yeah, you were just sort of amazed. It's like one of those weird things, like in hindsight, you are amazed at how nobody gave the guy a chance on that end of the, the spectrum, you know, from Rockus Records. I mean, he gets, you know, turned down by pretty much everybody. Um, and and how good it is, you know, it's sort of like hearing tracks that you know are hits, um, mm-hmm. you know, and other people just not being able to hear it at the time. It's, it's yeah. wild. I don't know who listens to Jesus Walks and doesn't. I mean, they did say that Jay-Z right. wanted like, that for himself, but... You know, who who listens to that and doesn't go, holy shit, this is revolutionary. Right. No, absolutely. And it was, you know, it, it is a, he's an uber genius talent. And I, but it also was right time, right place. I think um, Christian and you and I were having a text change just about that time in hip hop where it had become fairly stale. You had kind of the celebrity culture where it was, it, it, you know, it had transformed into the biggest music uh platform right for for young people so it was now dominant but there was just a lot of poppy crap out there too Mm -hmm. or just you know goofy dmx stuff like that and and so to have somebody kind of blend and i think kanye even knew it he said he blended sort of the big time pop with underground beats and sensibility and and things like that and and all the interesting stuff that that other people were doing on the underground side um and made it mainstream which was really cool but it also kind of hit with social media and everything you know at the same time so it was just the timing was really amazing too. Yeah, I just remember, you know, even, you know, the the visuals around his stuff were so different. You know, the Mirakari uh, stuff and, and, you know, just his fascination with, you know, uh, avatars really. I mean, the bear and, yep. um, you know, his kind the of... The preppy fashion. Yeah, the, you know, schoolboy stuff and, and just like not, um, you know, not, not having the... Uh, I mean, he did have hype uh, direct his videos, but you know he, um, you know the it wasn't the, you know the mirror box stuff that everybody was doing at that point. Um, right, it wasn't champagne, you know, and and uh, speedboat and mafia yeah. suits, you know. 
it was uh, it was a complete change of pace, and and the guy stuck with what he his his vision, and it was right. Um, so it's yeah. worth a watch, just definitely worth a watch. But the other one that was a far lesser uh, heralded product, but very 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 near and dear to your heart, Jeremy, was. Uh, uh, I don't. I, uh, there's a new documentary. You are watching <laughs> on the box, the music box. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize it was called the music box until I watched the documentary. I didn't either because we always called it the box. So, frequent, <laughs> so frequently, just referred to offhandedly as the box. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't know if that's it's just been a, referenced on this pod before, and um, I think we were sort of. I was you. You turned me on to it. Not to the box. I, I turned you onto the box back in, in the day. And, and uh, just to give kind of a context, you know, Wynn and I both moved around a lot as kids and, and Wynn is more of a high schooler. And um, you, this was the time where cable was creeping across the country, but not everywhere. So we had, we had the, the, you know, tragic experience of living in a, a town or, or state where we would have cable and then moving to one that did not. And... Um, and our last sort of move um, in my adolescence was to New Jersey, and and so we got access to New York's cable, um, New York City. We were about twenty five minutes outside of New York City, really um, a straight shot. And so you had MTV. Obviously, this is the sort of golden era of of hip hop, you know, to a lot of people. But unknowingly, the longest running video show apparently was. The Video Music Box, hosted by Ralph McDaniels. And um, it was one of those events, like, watching this doc where I, you know, it's kind of like the Action Park uh, doc, you know, where, like, I experienced something, you know, that um, I just had no idea had any relevance to anyone else, you know? And um, I, I knew the box did in terms of, like, what you saw there because it was basically kind of the Bible for hip-hop and, mm-hmm. and for... Um, hip hop community and Nas actually directs this, this. So just to give the box the credit to do, um, you know, Nas actually went so far as to direct this documentary, Ralph McDaniels, you learn is just sort of this entrepreneurial, really smart guy from Brooklyn who, um, you know, has no idea that hip hop is outside of his neighborhood and, and kind of works for the public access cable television and, and realizes you can put on a music show and, and, and show more. And, and, um, you know, UMTV Raps really kind of copied the box mm-hmm. style and, and, you know, really try had to compete with them, which is amazing. I mean, the cool thing about the music box, too, is this is early days of of of, um, of video. So like MTV, you just didn't have enough shit to play. And so after a cool Modi video, they throw on like Talking Heads or like Madonna, <laughs> you know, and just random stuff. And, and the time period that I really hit the box was when MTV, UMTV Raps was was quite big and, and and so the box had to kind of reinvent itself and, and really go for underground so it was the place that like Wu-Tang uh you know Lords of the Underground Brand Nubian um you know all of those acts really broke for us on the box and it was sort of the alternative to MTV when you had to you know watch R- Real World or something you could go to the music box and actually see videos so mm-hmm. all of the the native tongue stuff I heard there Mad. and then also 
weird shit like Nine Inch Nails or, you know, Madonna's Justify My Love, you know, which wouldn't be played. And then he also had um, just so much more freedom. So you've got a ton of Two Live Crew, um, which we were laughing at because no joke. I mean, Miami bass and, and you know, Doo Brown was probably the most played video, I feel like, of my uh, middle <laughs> school and high school years. <laughs> I just came home from crazy. college and you were going, Doo Brown. Doo doo brown. <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking Don't about. Don't stop. Get it, get it. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, it was literally like you'd have to sit, you, you like, you could not watch the box without seeing Doo doo brown <laughs> probably twice. <laughs> and they would play videos back, like, over again. Like, oh, yeah, they did. They had, no, they had no, no qualms with playing the same video three times in an hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> totally. If, it, if, if the, you know, and then wasn't it, didn't, didn't it morph into something that it was like a pay-per-view kind of thing? Or Yeah, then you could like call in and, and do a pay-for-video pay thing. So Can you do shout-outs and stuff? Oh, yeah. That was the other thing. I mean, they were really in the clubs and interviews and like, you know, places that I just, you know, like Latin Quarter and stuff like that, that I was just too young to know you might have known in New York. But it was definitely the 42nd Street, I remember, in the, the Midtown. That was pretty gross back when we were younger. And... um and yeah, so they would be in the club, so you'd always get artists just dying to be on there, but also just teenagers and anybody who was out there, you know, like, shout out to my baby girl and, you know, all this stuff. So it was a huge thing to have your shout out down. And, you know, also launching, like, some of the deaf comedy jam folks as well, you know, um, Tracy Morgan and people like that would be on the box or at the clubs. I mean, everybody who was who was there. And I think, you know, a couple things, like, you realize just how new of an art form hip-hop was, this was kind of a, a golden kind of era, but also like you had no outlet to this music. I mean, like people like, the, you know, one of the big reasons for Nas doing this was like, we didn't hear this shit. You know, we heard it in clubs and stuff like that, but we didn't hear, we didn't see the videos on MTV for sure. And we didn't hear it on the radio. So this was, you know, the box really was an outlet for all of these artists. And I mean, Jay-Z got started there, you know, um, I think low end theories, just this love for that record and both the black community and, and kind of white suburban community is from the box, you know, it, it's like, or at least started there, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's a really, I mean, it was very impactful doc for me because I, it, like I said, I, I just, I watched that shit religiously. I'd come home from school Validated and watch it. your youth. It validated my youth, but I think too, if you like hip hop and you like that era of hip hop, it's a fun doc too because the footage is great and it's footage you don't get anywhere else. Yeah, they, they you know, and they owned all their own footage, so it was easy. You know, I mean, once they, you know, once Nas decided to make the doc, they had, you know, they had all the archival, which is, you know, phenomenal. Yeah, and all you kids that are obsessed with nineties hip hop right now, you get live footage of Big L, Tribe Called Quest, you know, just. Uh, brand newbie and it's pretty wild you know yeah and along with and i think too and you remember this you know even from early umtv rap days like there was just no difference between a cool modi slick video right or a you know wild wild west video where you still almost were wearing like disco clothes and, and riding around mm-hmm. on, on horses and a you know uh lords of the underground just like guys in skull caps and newark you know like um it was just it was just a uh, very it's... like yeah just a very different um there just wasn't a lot of hierarchy at that point, you know. No, it was it was a democratic society, and the funny thing too is it was extremely local. I mean, it, you know, to me it, it you know to me it was local as in tri-state area local New York which City, which it literally was. But yeah. I mean, it was borough to borough, really. I mean, it was like, oh there's definitely. No, there's no hip hop in Queens, boom, Nas. You know, no. <laughs> there's no hip hop in the Bronx, boom, B- BDP. 
Um, yeah. You know, it was like, a, it, and they were all Newark. You know, beefing and, you know, what, to what degree, you know, seriously, I don't know. But it was, um, you know, there was all that, all the, you know, sort of, uh, um, you know, the challenges. Yeah, there was different rap beefs, different challenges. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, famous Bridges Over, you know, from mm-hmm. um, Boogie Down Productions. And, you know, and you forget, like, those are like the first times that happened, you know? Yeah. It's like before before KRS One was uh, on an REM song. Like yeah, it was, no uh, it was pretty wild. I was gonna say it predates the uh, the great uh, DB's uh, pylon beef of Athens, GA. Um, <laughs> there you go. But, and uh, then you also had you know the stop the violence stuff. There was you know this was a pretty violent time in New York City too, and I think people forget that as well. Um, you know the late '90s certainly less so, but in the early 2000s it really flipped. But it, it still was pretty violent, you know. Yeah, this is late '80s we're talking, so. Um, yeah, go check it out because it's it's well done, completely under the radar. It's showtime. I mean, if I wasn't flipping around, you know, doing doing what I frequently do, which is um, see what I could possibly watch rather than watch anything, um, you know, I, w- I don't think I would have stumbled upon it. So, uh, you know, all hail the. Bucks. No, and I think if we hadn't uh, hadn't made that move to New Jersey, we never would have been uh, enlightened by the box. So, no, all hail. One, one good thing our parents did. Thank you. Yeah. So anyway, you want to take a quick break? We'll come back. We'll end this way. We end all of them. Sounds good. Hey, yo, peace, God. Shaquan Allah. Hey, yo, peace. It's Jay Quest, the boogie man. Yo, peace, God. D Black. Peace to the gods. Tony D from the now rule mob. Hey, yo, ain't that them the gods? Cam D, a matter of fact. Yeah, Cam D. Oh, them the brothers, brand Nubians. Y'all heard they go by the name of the God Squad. What's up with that? The mob is sitting the ass off together. That is so totally So Ben blends KMD and brand Nubian friends. X tends to grip palming, cousin Carmen is not itself to commence to bombing. As alarming as a beep from your beeper. What you needed was a wake up call to the sun, you sleeper. You don't want to get woke by the wolf, does it? Nah. Good guessing. Switch the pitch up another session from the infamous God Squad. See these all peas in the same park, God. On and upright, getting downright nit with rod. Hello. Cause I sit with newer witnesses knocking at my door Preaching the law to change your life around I figure I just saw Jamal the other day uptown Give him a pound, it's the puzzle, relax The nitwits guzzle 85 proof ass mouth Just like for the vine as I build on an incline Quick to help another cause I know I'm against My bill powers think they hard but they're killing their own kind If I you know divine evil got him in his mind Now you quit a case you're in the mountains You're a life with no skins from your girl Just a he cipher, monkey cipher Or you can use the next plan Vaseline a magazine or your loving hand I know you know who got you living like this black man So honey, honey, honey with the real big tins Get right down to the real nitty gritty now Put some clothes on that behind And maybe brothers wouldn't think skins on a time Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother pod And today Wyndham and I are just kind of talking about a bunch of things we like recently um, Some new albums, a uh, great movie, um, Worst Person in the World And then some uh, fun um, hip-hop focused documentaries The Kanye doc and you are watching music video box or video music box gosh the box just called the box um but yeah when let's end this how we always ended uh we kind of talked about what we were listening to but if you have something else you want to add i do i have a couple of things i want to add one is i am fascinated by the show severance on apple plus um i was gonna say enjoying it but it's it's more of a uh um you know, it's more of an endurance test than it is uh, an hour of enjoyable. Uh, it's a really fucked up show. It's the premise is 
Um, you, these people opt into a procedure that um, completely separates their work life from their home life so that when they're at work, they don't remember home, and when they're at home, they don't remember work. And um, you can imagine the nefarious places this could possibly go, but it unfolds very slowly. It's brilliantly directed uh, by Ben Stiller, uh, actually. Hmm. Um, and you forget what a good director Ben Stiller can be. Um, but it is stars Adam Scott um, and um, and uh, um, Patricia Arquette, and it is really thought-provoking, interesting, um, you know, sur- surveillance um, era kind of uh, chiller thriller. But um, Just, you know, yeah. it, it, what's it on? It's on Apple Plus. And it, okay, cool. Know, I think it, I have Apple. Yeah. yeah, check it out. I think it's really interesting. The other movie that I popped on last night, um, and uh, I had heard that it was a succinct, per- precise hour and a half, and it is, and it's really good. It's called Kimmy, and it stars Zoe Kravitz, and it, too, is sort of uh, modern paranoia. Kimmy is the uh, Siri-type device, um, that answers all your questions and does everything for you. And Zoe Kravitz's character, Angela, works for the company that makes Kimmy, and she um, solves problems. She basically, her job is to, um, you know, sort of undo misunderstandings or, or, you know, forward the understanding and intuitiveness of Kimmy, the device. And she, it's a very kind of rear, um, rear window um, you know, blow up kind of, uh, blow out kind of, uh, a story about her accidentally overhearing a violent crime, um, during her, uh, during her work through the device and following it to, uh, rather, um, uh, exciting ends. Uh, I really liked it a lot and I highly recommend cool. it. Cool. What is that on again? It is on... HBO and is I I forgot the you know way to bury the lead. It's the new Steven Soderbergh movie. Right, that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Um, what do you What are you listening to? Yeah, well, I actually kind of just um, kind of just name checked it. I've been uh, kind of crazy busy, so I don't have a ton to add there. Um, I will say that uh, one album we didn't mention was the new Big Thief. Um, Dragon, New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You, which is a double album. Um, I think double albums are, are tough always. But uh, I think this band is just probably, you know, one of the most talented, great bands. I didn't realize they all went to Berkeley, by the way. I didn't mm-hmm. know if you knew that. But um, but uh, talented bands out there that, that really kind of functions as a band, continues to tour a lot. Um, I don't know that this is the next uh, Blonde on Blonde or, or, you know, Masterpiece album, but I think it also is kind of getting that thing that a lot of bands get where it's getting like a ton of praise and then a, a, a ton of unfair backlash. Um, and I think it's it's very, uh, very praiseworthy. And um, there isn't a lot to not like, except for that all double albums are just a little too long, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but when you can do a good one, uh, well done. And, and I think there's some great songs on here and it's a little looser, so... That's kind of the only thing I didn't add to the, the earlier part. Everything else had been um, sort of mentioned earlier. But um, what uh, what uh, what song? Sorry, do you want to put on the uh, Trillion and Two playlist? I'm going to cheat again and put two songs on on a technicality nice. that they both have the same title, 
and that is uh, Tenderness by Parquet Courts and Tenderness by General Public. I'm putting them both on. Ah, oh, man, that's so funny. I actually had Tenderness on my uh, short list by General Public, but I love both those songs and great choice. Um, I'm going to do a, a Steely Dan track just because I, I know you and I have been kind of throwing back on some Steely Dan and and finally sort of, at least for me, admiring why they're admired a little more. And then also I think all the hip-hop docs I've been watching. Um, where yeah, hip-hop producers be, uh, love Steely Dan and Hall & Oates. Yeah, they really do. They do. It's, I know, it's really funny. Hall & Oates is the other one. Um, and I'm going to throw on just, I think it's probably like my favorite song by them, even though I've heard it a million times. I can hear it a million more. It's my old school, so. Cool. Awesome. All right, well, good talking. Let's, uh, we'll catch up soon. William and Mary won't do. I'll talk to you later. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>